0: Today, we're looking into a very interesting and controversial subject, which is the mercy, the judgment, and the vengeance of God. There are so many scriptures to be read, uh, but like I said, since we have so much ground to cover, we're just going to go right into the business of it. Let's take our first reading from Psalm 89 and verse 14. Psalm 89 and verse 14. Psalm 89 and verse 14. It says, Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne mercy and truth shall go before thy face now before we go on it is important we understand a few things um, the, God God has you know been called a lot of things in the Bible um, God is love um, God is truth God is life God is light okay Um, God is righteous. God is just Okay, but uh, it doesn't say God is grace. It doesn't say God is mercy It says God is gracious and God is merciful. It's important we understand these things Um, God is gracious and he's merciful. So uh, Grace and mercy are attributes of God. They are not his personality. They are things that they are are attributes of his Okay, the same way, you know, uh, we see things like God is good. So Uh, goodness is not is not an attribute it's who he is just like he is love just like he is light just like you know he is uh, he is life just like he is truth okay Um, but the Bible does not say God is faith it says God is faithful so it's important we understand some of these things the things that are his personality and the things that are attributes okay so um, it's important we start from here now first of all what is mercy Um, mercy cannot be defined it can only be described okay the thing is spiritual vocabulary we our understanding of them are very limited and that is why it is tricky trying to define them why because definitions are absolute and it's just like the glory of god or glory for instance if you if you check for the definition of glory you're going to see many 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 different things okay people based on their own experiences of of glory but you see glory cannot be defined it can only be described and you can only describe it based on uh based on the based on your own experiences or what dimension of it that was revealed to you. Okay, so it's the same thing. Things like grace, things like mercy. I've heard people define uh, grace as what you don't deserve being given to you or being done to you, which is not incorrect, but it's incomplete. And I've heard the same people define mercy as what you deserve, not being done to you, in a negative sense. Now, like you deserved judgment and it wasn't done to you. So that is mercy. That is also not incorrect. It is just incomplete. And... In studying scriptures, one of the rules of Bible interpretation is what is called the law of first mention. And basically what the law of first mention stipulates is when you go through the Bible, the first place and the first time a particular thing is mentioned, look at the meaning, the definition, uh, the, the, the application, the context, okay? That context is going to be consistent throughout scripture or is supposed to be consistent rather throughout scripture now the first place mercy is mentioned in the bible is genesis chapter 19 and verse 19 okay it's the story of lot and where the angels came to rescue lot from sodom and gomorrah and and that is the first place that the word mercy was used and I checked the definition of the word mercy, and it's quite interesting. Uh, sorry, not, not definition, rather meaning or, or synonym. Now, in Genesis nineteen nineteen, it says, Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast shewed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die so that is the first place the word mercy is used in the Bible and the the word translated in the Hebrew is hesed hesed now hesed Is also translated in some portions of the King James Version as grace, is also translated as mercy, as mercy, it's also translated as kindness, it's also translated as favor. Okay, now um, so those are some of the some of some of the synonyms of the word Hesse: pity, kindness, favor, goodness. Okay, so I will not try to give a definition of mercy, I will just give us a few synonyms of the word mercy so when when you hear mercy in the bible don't think only pity okay pity is a part of it but it's not all of it so there is pity there is kindness there is favor there is goodness now there's a, there's a common misconception that only somebody that has done something wrong needs mercy and you know, and this is because of some of the definitions of mercy that we have received. That uh, mercy is pity, it's just that fraction of it that it's pity. And uh, uh, when you deserve judgment and then you don't get judgment, then it is mercy. Like I said, it is not incorrect, it's just incomplete because that is not all there is to mercy. The Bible says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Mercy is a part of. Our everyday life. Um, let me give us an example. In the last 10, 20, in the last 10, 20 years, yes, there's been a rise, a surge in, in the supplement market. okay It started with the likes of uh, Tianxi organo gold, forever living products. Now we have um, the likes of uh, long um, um, green uh, is it green life? there are so many of them. And what are the supplements about? They are saying, when you eat, okay, because of the way we eat, uh, the food does not do justice to our body's nutritional requirements. And so, we need to take this supplement to supplement, to make up for the, the, the gaps in, in our diet. Okay, so the supplements are to make up for a gap in our diets. It's the same way mercy functions. You see, we cannot possibly, the Bible says that even in our praying, in in Romans 8.28, even in our praying, it says that, For we know not what to pray for, as we ought to, Romans 8.26 rather, I think. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit himself helps our infirmities or our weaknesses or our lapses by making intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So even in our praying, there are lapses. In every area of our lives, there are lapses. And this is why we constantly need the mercy of God. Everybody needs the mercy of God. It is not just uh, the sinner that needs mercy. So somebody is saying Ah, okay, you guys praying for mercy, go ahead and pray. You must have done something really bad. As for me, I am all right. You know, I, I just need grace. No, we all need the mercy of God because the mercy of God basically helps to supplement for the areas of our shortcoming okay so so uh, there are times that it's not because you necessarily prayed very hard but the mercy of God intervenes and then you get a particular result okay but we'll get deeper into it later I just needed to give an overview now who needs mercy everybody needs mercy when do we need mercy everybody needs mercy all the time okay and who gets mercy this is a very interesting question um now there is the misconception that because something is free it means it is automatic grace and mercy are free okay please get this grace and mercy are free but they are not automatic and i'll explain oxygen is free but it is not automatic Our bodies need to be conditioned in a certain way for it to be able to process the air and then get oxygen. It's the same way with the grace and mercy of God. Although grace and mercy, uh, the, the Bible says that grace, you know, the grace of God has appeared unto all men. Okay, but not everybody is saved. Salvation is free, but not everybody is saved. Why? Because there are certain conditions that must be met. The Bible says if you believe with your heart, Okay, and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So although it is free, there are certain conditions that need to be met. It's important we know this because some people think, eh, okay, grace is a merited favor, so I don't need to do anything about it. No, there are things that we need to do to position ourselves for the grace of God. And there are things we need to do. To position ourselves for the mercy of God. The Bible is clear in James chapter 4 verse 6 that God resists the proud but he gives more grace to the humble. Although grace is free but God gives it to the humble and then he resists the proud. But you see the problem Hebrews four sixteen says let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. So mercy is obtained at the throne of grace. Okay, But the problem now is if you are proud, the Bible says God resists you. So it means if you are proud, you are resisted by God and you don't get grace, therefore you don't get mercy. So you see, there are certain conditions that uh, our hearts, there there are certain conditions that our heart needs to be in for us to be able to enjoy and benefit from the mercy and the grace of God. Okay, so it's important we have this foundation so that somebody doesn't say, "Ah, well, mercy is unmerited, grace is unmerited. So why is he saying we need to do certain things? I am not saying we need to do things in terms of works. I am saying that there are certain conditions. The oxygen we are all breathing, the dead people are not breathing it, but they are on earth and the oxygen is also available to them. But the problem is their body is not in a condition where it can process the oxygen to their benefit. And there are many people out there that are not their hearts are not in a condition where it can process the grace and the mercy of God for their benefit so um, I wrote this down if you are taking notes you can write this down God is righteous or just when, when when the Bible says God is just or righteous it's the same thing okay it says God is righteous righteousness is God's default setting so God is just so it means by default with God you know the Bible says God is faithful faithful is he who has called you who also will do it remember for those of us that are just joining I said there are certain things the Bible calls God it says God is love it says God is faithful it says God is just it says God is righteous it says God is good but it didn't say God is grace it didn't say God is mercy it says God is gracious God is merciful God is kind okay so 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 love is God's nature kindness is God's nature goodness is God's nature but mercy and grace are his attributes, they are are things that um, they are not his personality let's put it that way but let's go on, so I said um, God is righteous, his default setting is justice, and that divine justice was met in Christ to produce grace, we're going to talk more about this later Mercy is not automatic; it has to be obtained, and we're going to look at scriptures. Mercy has to be obtained. There are certain conditions that positions us better to obtain mercy. Now, when we look at Matthew chapter five and verse seven, Jesus said, "Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy." That that's it's very specific, and we're going to look at another scripture to back that up. So, okay, let's read it. Let's read it. Uh, let me not just quote it because it's actually a core. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7 Jesus said blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain the word obtain is from the Greek word lambano and we're going to go more into that later for they shall obtain mercy now let's take a look at James chapter 2 and verse 13 You know, somebody has asked me before, what determines the people that God is merciful to and the people that God is not merciful to? We're going to be seeing a lot of things. And we're going to be looking at the the comparisons and contrasts between David and Saul. And we're going to look at uh, what happened to Moses. Okay, what happened to Moses? like why did moses not enter the promised land we're going to be looking into all that and i trust god that we will be able to james chapter 2 and verse 13 says for he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy and mercy rejoiceth over judgment so um it's very simple if you are if if you have judged somebody without mercy the bible is clear that you will also be judged without mercy This backs up what Jesus said when he said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Okay, let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. I quoted it earlier, but I just want us to read it. Hebrews 4, 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy, and find grace in time of need, that we may obtain mercy, so mercy is not automatic. It doesn't fall on people. It is obtained. Mercy is obtained. Um, let's look at one more scripture. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 10. It says,, oh, let's read from verse nine. It says, "But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which, in the time past, were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy." So you see, like I said, although mercy is available to everybody, It only comes to those who obtain it and there are certain requirements to be able to obtain mercy so please stay with me now let's let's quickly take a look at the difference between David and Saul some persons say David uh, sinned more than Saul that is not exactly true that is not exactly true Saul did some really terrible things he killed uh, 105 priests Okay, And he destroyed their entire village, killing women and children. Why? Because they helped David and they gave him food. Saul was a really, really, really terrible guy. Remember that at some point also there was a famine that struck Israel. And when David inquired of the Lord, God told him that it was because Saul had killed the Gibeonites, people whom the children of Israel during the time of Joshua had sworn to protect. These were apart from the fact that Saul hunted David down for several years. About, I don't know how many years, but he hunted David down for several years. And he committed a lot of terrible things. But, you know, we're not going to look into those things. We're going to look at the two major offenses that Saul committed. In First Samuel, let's look at First Samuel chapter 13. We're just going to, you know, analyze a little the difference between David and Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 13, from verse 11. Okay, let's read from let's read from verse 8. It says, and he tarried seven days. That Saul they were waiting for Samuel to do a sacrifice. Okay, and he tarried seven days, according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Mikmash. Therefore said I, The Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a bond offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now will the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now the kingdom shall not continue. The Lord had sought him, a man after his own heart, and the Lord had commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded. Now, there is no record of Saul saying, sorry Yeah. now let's go to the same first samuel chapter 15 and let's look at the other okay i'm just going to skip we know the story god told saul to destroy the uh the uh was it amalekites and uh and and saul did not yes amalekites and saul did not do it comprehensively enough and then Samuel came and told him that God has rejected you. And this is what Saul would say in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 24. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And to me, it it seems like Saul was saying, okay, you know what? yeah I know I messed up uh you know let's just forget about it and and you know let's 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 just keep living our lives like we were living it before and see what happens and Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord had rejected thee from being king over Israel and as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rained. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord had rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and had given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Now let's look at uh, verse 30. Very interesting again. Then he said, I have sinned. Yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people, and before Israel. And turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. So you see, Saul, Saul was not really remorseful about what he had done. He was just more interested in how the rebuke of Samuel made him look. There was no time that it said Saul laid down on the floor and poured ashes on his head like, you know, like the Jewish people would do. Saul didn't do any of that. He just, he just was more interested. It was about the people in chapter 13. He said, the people were scattering from me. And now he said, you know, honor me. Yes, I know I have sinned, but yet honor me. And, you know, we see something very interesting in Second Samuel chapter 7 and verse 15. There was something God said that is very striking. He said but my mercy shall not depart away from him as i took it from saul whom i put away before thee so god is telling david that his mercy will not depart from solomon as it departed from saul it means that there was a time that saul had the mercy of god but he lost it why because the condition of his heart was not right and I like to illustrate it this way. Try to imagine, say you are driving. Two people bash your car. One person comes out and prostrates immediately and say, hey, bamu, sorry, you kill me, I'm sorry, and all of that stuff. For those of us that, you know, that have been to Lagos, you know how some of those cab drivers can be. You will just become weak instantly. The way they will come down and prostrate and say, ah, kill me, ah, I am finished, hey, sorry. There's, you, you just become weak, except you are a devil okay but then and and, and the other person bashes your car and then he's trying to claim rights you and I both know that your reaction to each of them will be different even though it's the same you it doesn't mean you have multiple personalities it's the same you but their attitude determines whether you are going to take legal actions or whether you're going to be merciful I hope everybody everybody's following me so far now let's take a look at uh, Two scriptures before we continue. Let's look at Psalm 118. I'm just trying to establish something and then we will we will run very soon. Psalm 118 and verse 4. It says, Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. It didn't say let everybody see. Say. It says let them that fear the Lord. Let them say his mercy endure it forever. And then Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 22. Proverbs 14, 22. It says, do they not err that devise evil, but mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good. Mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good. So you see, um, although mercy is free, it is also quite selective. Okay, now if you are taking notes, write this down. A man of many flaws, but humble, will receive mercy more than a proud man with few flaws. A man of many flaws, but humble before God, is going to receive mercy more than a man that doesn't commit many mistakes, but is proud. Because like I said earlier, mercy is a product of grace, according to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 it says let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy okay mercy is a product of grace and grace is a product of humility hebrews uh uh, james chapter 4 verse 6 god resists the proud but he gives more grace to the humble okay so a man that is humble and this is why you may see some people that it looks like mr a's life is more straightened out than mr b's life But somehow Mr. B seems to be enjoying the favor of God and the mercy of God more than Mr. A. So it's not always about our actions. It's usually more about the condition of our heart. Okay, so Mr. A, you know, both of them may be ministers. Okay, Mr. A has never had an affair. He's never had a scandal. He's never stolen church money. He's never... He's never done any of these things okay but he's very legalistic and he's very proud you know people think fornication and smoking and drinking are the only things that exist so I don't smoke I don't drink I don't fornicate so I'm fine I can hate I can curse, I can be proud I can I can treat people like animals you know and it's okay because I don't smoke I don't drink and I don't fornicate you are joking okay so 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 it, when you look at especially ministers sometimes and you look at a certain minister and it looks like with what we know about this guy he should not be having any results I mean this guy I know him with this lady and that lady and that lady and he does this and he does that but it's possible although this guy has many flaws he is also very broken before God but this other man that does not have these obvious flaws but is very proud very arrogant very resentful. <laughs> You'll see that the man with many flaws seems to be enjoying more of God's mercy and God's grace than the other man who seems to have everything figured out. And I tell people, you know, when we look at certain men of God and say, ah, this guy is this, he's that, he's that. And, and I tell them, you know, God knows more about his flaws than you do. And yet God anointed him. So so we need to be careful. God knows more about people's flaws than any of us, even the persons. But God still anointed the person. So we need to be very careful. Okay, so um, grace is found. Favor is obtained according to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. The Bible says, seek and you will find. So it means, again, because grace is automatic, doesn't mean that it's going to fall on the laps of everybody. It has to be found and great and mercy has to be obtained but let us run let us run now I, i need to explain something why it is important for us to confess our sins when we have done something wrong both to man and to god now i am saying this i have i have taught on this forum before that you know um god's forgiving god forgiving us is not conditional to our confession of sins okay now um why is confession of sins important i have said this before that god god never said in his word that i will only forgive you when you apologize not in the new covenant not in the new covenant the truth is this even the world have been forgiven of their sins but we'll get into that later the world the sinners will not believe us they've been forgiven of their sins and i'm going to show us from scriptures okay and this is why the the suicide doctrine is very pro- problematic and I'm I'm, I'm I'm going to get into that jesus said that we should forgive one another and it wasn't conditional he didn't say Forgive only if the person apologizes if the person does not apologize Then you have every right not to forgive. No, he didn't say that he said we should forgive We should forgive and do we not think that God will at least hold himself to the same standards Okay, and that is why when people say um uh, everybody that commits suicide goes to hell automatically And I ask them do you have scriptures for that And then they say um, Because suicide is killing And the Bible says thou shalt not kill That is a stupid scripture to use Very very stupid scripture to use uh, And then The second one they say Because uh, when you kill yourself You don't get the chance to confess your sins So you go to hell <laughs> you know? But the thing is There are sins in our lives That we will probably never confess In our lifetime There are sins in our lives that we will probably never confess in our lifetime. Fear is a sin. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that the fearful and murderers and liars will all have their part in the lake of fire. Have you ever confessed the sin of fear? So does that mean you are hell bound because you forgot to confess the sin of fear? You know, nobody goes to hell. You don't go to hell because you forgot to apologize. You know, that's, that's a very, you know... Will, will we stand before God and say, I refuse to forgive them because they refuse to apologize. Do you think God is going to say, okay, 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 that, that's okay. No, he's not going to say that. God expects us to forgive whether they apologize or not. But it's important we know this. When we forgive people, we release ourselves. But it doesn't automatically release them. Their repentance is what releases them. Please, it's important we get this. So when we offend people also, on the flip side of it, it's not enough to say, ah, he's a Christian, he doesn't have a choice, he has to forgive me. If he doesn't forgive me, you'll be in trouble. That person may forgive you, but if you do not repent, and if you do not apologize, um, you are going to reap the consequences of what you did. So you see, it's a two-way thing. We have to forgive, but if the person does not repent, it does not automatically release them everybody on earth has been forgiven of their sins but if they don't repent they are going to hell and i hope everybody is understanding me okay let me quickly check this question out and then i'll get back to what i was saying um linda said so being broken before god helps us get away with a lot (laughs) that's a funny way to put it um at what point do we cross the line when we intentionally do bad stuff and come broken before god Will this still count? Well, um, let's get something right. God God is not interested in apologies. Even though apologies are important, and that's what we are saying about confession of sins, God is more interested in repentance. So if you look at the Bible, the Bible consistently talks about repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is a change of heart. It's a change of mind. It's a change of what you were doing. So it's not enough to keep doing the wrong thing and keep saying, sorry, 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 sorry. As a matter of fact, someone once said that the best uh, the best apology is a changed behavior. Okay? Okay. God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that also he shall reap. You can't mock God. You can't keep doing dumb stuff and saying sorry, 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 sorry because you think you know you are trying to take the grace of God uh, for a ride. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. So, okay, I, I hope I answered that question, Linda. Okay, so it's important that we forgive people, and it's important that we ask people for forgiveness. But hey, news forgiveness. Is different from mercy forgiveness is different from mercy uh, a, a, a man that kills somebody and the family of the person says we forgive you it, it doesn't it doesn't protect the forgiven man from the consequences of the law now let me show the scripture in second Corinthians chapter 5 from verse 18. it says, and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So God is not imputing the trespasses of the world unto them. In other words, they have been forgiven but they are still going to hell so you see it's important we understand the difference between forgiveness means okay i am not imputing your sins okay but mercy is what lifts the 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 legal repercussions of the things that we do that is why people are going to hell because although god has forgiven them although god's grace has appeared unto all men although god's mercy is available to everybody they have not conditioned themselves to benefit from it and so they still go to hell. So being forgiven is different from obtaining mercy. It's important we understand these things. Okay, mercy is the overriding of consequences of our sins, our flaws, and our shortcomings. In other words, mercy overrides judgment. Mercy overrides judgment. Remember, God is just. Default setting is justice but mercy overrides judgment. We'll we'll look more into that later. The forgiveness of a crime does not prevent justice from taking its course. Only mercy can prevent justice from taking its course. Mercy stands in the way of legal consequences. People go to hell, not because God is mad at them, but because of the legal consequences that only mercy and the sacrifice of jesus christ can take away okay so there are legal consequences for for being a human being from adam and that is the sin nature it's a legal consequence only the mercy of god can override that so if that has not been overridden in a person's life automatically they are going to face the justice system which is not going to be in their favor and the other day i was asking somebody i said what was the sin of moses and the person said anger but, but anger, anger was not the sin of Moses, not by a long shot. Anger was not the sin of Moses. Let's look at Numbers chapter 20. Let's look at what happened with Moses. We're going to learn a, a lesson from this. I want, I want to show us something. Numbers chapter, chapter 20. Let's take it from verse 6. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother. And speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. He said, Speak to the rock before their eyes okay and the rock will bring out water so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts to drink and moses took the rod from before the lord as he commanded him and moses and aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock and he said unto them Hear now ye rebels must we fetch you water out of this rock take note of moses words must we talking about him and aaron must we fetch you water so it wasn't according to what moses said it wasn't god giving them water it was him and aaron or he and aaron okay let's continue and moses lifted up his hand and with his rod he smote the rock twice Uh, some person said he was supposed to smite the rock once he did it twice he? (laughs) he smoked the rock twice and water came out abundantly take note of this Even though Moses had disobeyed God, God still brought water out of the rock. Why? Because of his mercy towards his people. But there's something else. And water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and the abyss also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believed me not. So the problem here is unbelief. To sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Did you see God say anything about temper here that Moses, why did you get angry? No, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about anger. The problem was not anger. The problem was not his temper. The problem was he did not glorify God in the presence of those people. Now, if the problem was Moses' temper, why did the consequences fall on Moses and Aaron? Because it was only Moses that struck the rock. Aaron did not strike the rock so why did Moses and Aaron had to have to go down for it so you see it had nothing to do with the temper it had everything to do with the fact that Moses made it about him and Aaron they made it about themselves and that's why God said you did not sanctify me in the presence of these people and let's look at something I have heard people preach that Moses never you know uh, repented of his sins, and that's why he did not enter the promised land. But that is also not true. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 3 from verse 26. Let's take it from verse 23. And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servants thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond jordan this is moses speaking that goodly mountain and lebanon but the lord was rough with me for your sakes and would not hear me and the lord said unto me let it suffice thee speak no more unto me on this matter god said i don't want to hear this your prayer again i don't want to hear this your prayer again it, it's it seems a bit unusual right somebody is praying <laughs> Somebody is telling God, I am sorry, please forgive me, let me enter. And God said, shut up, I don't want to hear it again. What really happened in the case of Moses? I'm going to use a scripture to explain this. Although it is taking the scripture out of context, but it is going to help us have an understanding of why God was that strict with Moses. And why Moses did not get mercy in that regard. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 4. Now, this is Paul speaking about a different class of persons, but I want us to take something from here. He said, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. I need us to understand something. Uh, This is the reason why Satan will never find... will never obtain mercy, rather. And the fallen angels, they will not obtain mercy. Those guys have gone beyond the mercy of God. Why? Because there is a dimension of God, and there is a dimension of God's glory, that you see that... If you still rebel against God at that point, then it's more like there's nothing more God can do for you. Because I hope we are understanding this. Um, I, I've heard people say that, you know, Satan should just go and apologize to God and everything should be all right. And that's because people think that the conflict that is going on in the world is between God and Satan and a power tussle. But that is not the case. Even if Satan apologizes to God, it's not going to change anything. If the fallen angels apologize to God. It's not going to change anything just like we are seeing in the case of moses because moses had seen a dimension of the glory of god that uh it became it implicated him there's a dimension of the glory of god that you see just like we are seeing in in hebrews chapter 6 from verse 4 to 6 it's saying that there are certain classes of persons that have tasted certain things if they fall away to renew them it's impossible the bible says it is impossible there's a dimension you get into with God that if you fall, it is impossible. I hope we're understanding what I'm saying. And Moses was in this class. And even though his soul was going to be redeemed, uh, he he did something. The same thing happened with Aaron, both of them. You know, God said, "Ah, ah, 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 with the dimension of me that you have seen, these people ate with God, these people ate with God. They saw God and they ate with him. It was not only Moses that saw God. And I have showed us that in previous teachings. Because of time, I won't be able to do that. And they did what they did. And God said, oh, oh, oh." you know what, guys? You are going to have to die. You'll come to heaven or you're going to paradise. But you are going to have to die because of this thing that you have done. There is a dimension of God that you see that um, it becomes less tolerable for errors. I hope we're understanding this uh, thankfully we are not in that dimension I think it's a good thing that, <laughs> that we are not we're not in that dimension so um, before I say anything about the judgment of God let's take a look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 28 please I want us to pay keen attention to this scripture this is in the New Testament okay it says he that despised Moses law died Without mercy, under one or two witnesses, uh, under two or three witnesses—I beg your pardon—of how much sorrow punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy, who had trodden under foot the Son of God, and had counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and had done despite unto the spirit of grace or has insulted the spirit of grace for we know him that had said vengeance belongeth unto me i will recompense said the lord and again the lord shall judge his people please see this there are two things verse 30 is telling us for we know him that had said vengeance is mine i will recompense you know that was i will do you back Okay, and then after that, he said, And again the Lord shall judge his people. And then, verse 31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know, we're in a generation where I, I, I'm not against, as a matter of fact, the grace teaching is not new, it's not new. Um, grace is simply what some people thought before as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, okay, the grace teaching is not new but you see, some some younger people now, there's nothing wrong with the Joseph Princes and uh, the Charles Sporgeons and the Creflo Dollars and uh, the, the Andrew Womacks, no, they, they have a very balanced approach to it, but I've seen a lot of young people run off with, with some really 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 funny doctrines that, ah, no, God is good God is merciful God does not hurt anybody people only get hurt because of the things they do Or uh, people only get hurt because someone else hurt them. God does not kill people. Um, God has never killed. God will never kill. (laughs) Well, a particular minister was telling me that a young minister was telling me younger minister was telling me that um, You know that the Bible says every good thing and every perfect thing comes from above, you know And death is a bad thing. So God does not kill people and I said, let me ask you a question Is hell a good thing? And he paused a moment. He said, No. I said, Who created hell? <laughs> he said, God. I said, Oh, wow. So, God can create something as horrendous as hell, but He cannot kill people. God kills people. He's been killing people, and He will yet kill people. And I'm going to show us scriptures for that. Okay? The judgment of God is real, it's as real as the mercy of God. And the vengeance of God is also very real. Unfortunately, uh, not, not unfortunately. Fortunately for us, we are not going to see that dimension of him. The vengeance of God is not for the believer. And the judgment of God, there is a dimension of judgment of God that is for the believer. There is a dimension that is not for the believer. So um, quickly, I want us to run through it. Okay. Uh, very quickly, there are different kinds of judgment. But... It is important that we know the things we do in life. You know, I've also heard people teach that sin is sin. And I tell them if sin is sin, then righteousness should be righteousness. But you see, that's not the case. Uh, the Bible is very clear that we are going to be judged according to our works. Okay, Matthew, let, let's look at Matthew 23, 23. Let's just read a few of them. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23. Jesus said woe unto you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for you pay tithe of mint and anise and coming and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. What are the weightier matters of the law? Judgment, mercy, faith. This ought ye to have done and not to leave the others undone. Judgment, mercy, faith. Jesus said these are the weightier matters. So judgment and mercy. They are brethren. Amen. It's important we know this, so we don't say, ah, God is a merciful God. No, He is as merciful as He is just. Let's get the balance right. Okay, so um, like I was saying, there are different kinds of judgment. We know of eternal judgment where the believers will go, uh the believers will go to heaven at some point, like they are right now for those that die in Christ and are going to heaven right now. But ultimately, we're all coming back to Earth because Earth is our eternal home. I have an entire teaching of that. If, you, if you don't, uh, if you don't know about it, Earth being our eternal home, I have an entire teaching that covers all of that. Okay, so there's eternal judgment uh, where where believers will be rewarded based on their works, okay, and unbelievers will also be rewarded based on their work. The unbelievers will go to eternal hell, lake of fire, okay. Um, okay, good. This is the, let, let me just put it this way. Right now, there are believers in heaven and there are believers in hell. The hell that there is right now is called Hades or Sheol in the Greek, okay, which is controlled by Satan. And this is why demons are in hell and Satan can be in hell and he's not affected by it. Because that is his territory. Hell is a person. In the book of Revelation way it says death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Okay, so hell is a person. And hell is also going to be judged. Just like death is going to be judged. Just like Satan is going to be judged. Okay, so death and hell, they are persons. And Satan controls them. So he can use them to do his beating. So people are in hell right now. So demons can be in hell and not feel the heat. Satan can be in hell and not feel the heat. Okay, but then there is a place called the lake of fire, which as of now is vacant And then there is another place called the bottomless pit Which right now uh, th- th- there's no human being in the bottomless pit the bottomless pit is not for humans The bottomless pit is for falling angels Okay, it's important that we know that the bottomless pit is for falling angels uh, Hades is where humans are, but you see When the lake of fire is open Everybody, both humans, demons, Satan, his angels are all going into the lake of fire and they are going to feel the heat. Okay, so the lake of fire is the permanent destination of everybody that rebels against God. The same way hell that we have right now is a temporary abode. It's the same way heaven is a temporary abode, heaven is not our eternal home, earth is our eternal home. And uh, the Bible says that he has made us kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And uh, the, 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 the level of dominion or the level of rulership that every man is given on the earth is going to be determined by their works today. So this is eternal judgment. And I also believe that the dimensions of punishment in hell are going to be different. I don't think they are going to be the same otherwise it would not make sense for God to judge people according to their works okay now um, so that is eternal judgment number two there is the judgment of our works here on earth basically where we sow what we reap in terms of actions okay and this is true for believers as it is true for unbelievers God is just when we say God is faithful we are simply saying God is just it means that you sow and you reap. The Bible says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that also shall he reap. Because God is just. Okay, so it is important that even in our actions, we are very careful of the things we do. Have you noticed that pastors that break out of people's churches in a very, very bad way, uh, at some point, something very similar happens to them. It is a legal system of the universe. That is why I'm saying, if people don't cry for mercy... It is possible that man of God forgive you, but something very similar is going to happen to you if you don't cry for mercy. Some of us need to cry for crop failure because we have sold some really, 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 really terrible sins. So it's one thing to be forgiven, but it's another thing for uh, the consequences of our actions to be reversed. For believers, we are not punished for our sins. We are punished by them. So if you kill somebody today, although God has forgiven you, the law is going to take its course. So if you end up in jail, it's not because God is mad at you. No, God is not mad at you, but it is a consequence of what you did. I hope we are understanding me. Okay, so um, it's important that we know that judgment is not always instant. Sometimes it is delayed, and sometimes it happens instantly. In the case of Uzzah, in 2 Samuel chapter 6 he touched the ark and he was struck dead immediately but you see in uh, in genesis chapter 15 and verse 16 let's take a look at that <laughs> it's a it's a very interesting scripture genesis chapter 15 and verse 16. god was talking to abraham about how his descendants will be in captivity and then god says this he said but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. God is saying, there are some people I have to deal with. But we can't deal with them now. So, your descendants will be on excursion in Egypt. When these people's corpse are full, then I will bring Israel to judgment. So, you see, when we, when we wonder sometimes that... Why is God not judging some people instantly? No, some people's judgment happens instantly. But some other persons, it's like God is waiting for their cup to be full. But you see, once that cup is full, just like Pharaoh, once that cup is full, uh, it, it's usually it's usually very, very terrible. Okay. Does God kill people? Yes. God kills people. And I'm going to show the few scriptures that are very 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 clear on that um, let's start from let's start from Exodus chapter 4 and verse 23 let's start from Exodus chapter 1 verse 23 let's hear a message from God it said and I say unto thee let my son go that he may serve me that's God talking To Pharaoh about Israel being his son and if thou refuse to let him go behold I will slay thy son even thy firstborn you know people have said some really funny things that eh, it was the devil that caused the plagues of Egypt it was the devil that killed their children I said okay what of Sodom and Gomorrah they said eh, it was the angels that did it I said ah so angels just took excursion from heaven came to earth on their own and decided to burn, to destroy a city without God's permission. Ah, and I said, are you aware what God did to the angels that disobeyed? The Bible says they are in everlasting chains. Angels cannot just afford to do whatever they like. The Bible says angels hearken to the voice of God. You know, it, it's uh, you, you are going to need help to be confused about the fact that God kills people if god can create a place as terrible as the lake of fire don't you think it's a light thing for him to kill let's look at a few other scriptures shall we let's look at the same exodus chapter 22 and verse 24 it says and my wrath shall wax hot and i will kill you with the sword and your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless that is god speaking (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Chogu. Uh, the Lord puts to death and makes alive. He brings down to sheol and he raises up from the grave. You see, the reason I did not use this scripture is because there are some that have argued that this was Hannah speaking. And, uh, you know, just like Job, Job said some things that were not necessarily true. Okay, like the Lord. Uh, the Lord give it and the Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And, you know, making it look like it was God that was responsible for everything happening to him. So I deliberately actually left out the scripture because I know that there are people that will argue that eh, it was Hannah speaking now. She probably spoke in error. That's why I am looking for scriptures that directly, okay, that that, you know, people are going to need help to misunderstand. Let's look at one more because of time. In Revelation chapter 2 verse 23, let's look at Jesus himself speaking. Jesus who, Jesus. The one that is love. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 23. You know, I always remind myself I don't love people more than God. It is arrogant for anybody to think that they care for people more than God. God created hell, and he's going to send people there. And he loves those people more than you and I. So it's very arrogant for anybody to think that they care about anybody more than God. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 23. It says, And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. This is Jesus speaking. If you have the red letter edition, you will see that he screamed so loud. The words turned red. That's Jesus speaking. I will kill your children with death. By the way, that, that helps us understand that not every killing is of death. Okay? I've explained that before not everybody that dies is a is a victim of death and jesus is very specific here how he will kill he said i will kill with death now if you look at revelation chapter six and verse verses seven and eight uh no verse, verse. let's just read verse eight it says and i looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with what with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the field oh yes it was a threat actually jesus was not being nice when he said that you know to kill with hunger with sword with death so there is a killing with hunger there's a killing with sword there's a killing with the beasts of the field there's a killing with death what happened in egypt on that night was killing with death were not sick nothing happened they just dropped dead that was what happened in Egypt that night okay and Jesus was telling those people in the scripture we read before this he said I will kill your children with death in other words it won't be hunger It won't be any of these things no it will be death I'm going to allow death to come and kill them so there are people that die as a matter of fact believers usually don't die of death they die of other things uh what we call death really is a transition from one phase to another Uh, death really doesn't exist okay life is like matter um it cannot be destroyed it can only be changed from one form to another so what we call death really is a transition from one form to another okay uh so but there's a person called death that has effect on people and by reason of his impact people transited uh, or or are translocated and transfigured and transposed and trans whatever okay Um, so death does that but death not everybody that dies dies of death it's important to understand this, okay and that's why Jesus was very specific I will kill your children with death that was Jesus speaking let's look at let's look at a few more scriptures of where Jesus will actually kill people Um, Isaiah chapter, chapter 11 Uh, And from verse 3 it says and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes this is a prophecy about Jesus Christ neither reprove after the hearing of his ears but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked this is a prophecy about Jesus he will kill people you know somebody was saying the other day that uh whatever dimension of jesus he didn't manifest on the earth uh jesus came to represent god so whatever jesus did not manifest on the earth uh is not in god's nature and it's it's a very funny way of thinking because jesus only came to manifest a fraction of what god represents jesus came to manifest the grace and mercy of God. We came to manifest the grace and mercy of God. The Bible says in the book of Revelation chapter 5, Jesus is both lion and lamb. He came as the lamb to take away the sins of the world. When he returns, he returns as a lion. And lions conquer, lions kill. Let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8 first. Then we'll look at Revelation. 2 Thessalonians 2 8. It says, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume. With the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. It's telling us how Jesus is going to kill the Antichrist. And in Revelation chapter 19, uh, from verse 15, Revelation 19 15, it says, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, not pet, smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treaded the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. When it says treading the winepress of God's wrath, it's actually talking about blood flowing. The Bible says that the blood will flow up to the horse's bridle. Okay? Um, I was telling big man some time ago that I saw a horse in Cape Town. And I was standing on the back of the horse. Not the head of the horse. The back was, was taller than me. was higher than me. Okay, and I'm sure he saw one of those horses in Cape Town. Big horses that you are going to need a a ladder or somebody to help you to climb. And the Bible says that, you know, blood will flow to the horse's bridle. That's where where they put the whole bridle thing. Okay, so um, there's a dimension of God we have not seen yet. And it is not for us to see. Because this dimension is going to be... (laughs) Big man, no, 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 don't worry. This dimension is not for us. It is for the world. Okay, and that takes us to the vengeance of God. The vengeance of God is not for the church. The vengeance of God is not for the believer. The vengeance of God is for the world. There are two dimensions of God's vengeance as I wrap up very quickly dimensions of God's vengeance. There is the first dimension which is going to be on Israel. Um, some Bible scholars believe this has happened already. Uh, I believe it is still happening and it will yet happen. Why is there vengeance on Israel? Two reasons why, there is ven- why, why the vengeance of God will come on Israel. Number one is the fact that of all nations in the world, Israel is that one nation that God picked for himself to show them his goodness and his mercy and his kindness and it it right back into his face okay the dimensions of God that the children of Israel saw no other nation has and will see it in this our lifetime okay so 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 God is going to take vengeance on Israel and every time if you see in the Bible where God takes vengeance on Israel he chooses a heathen nation to judge Israel that is how God judges Israel he chooses a heathen nation to judge Israel he used the Assyrians he used the Babylonians he used the Syrians he has consistently done that okay he uses them to judge Israel after he has used them to judge Israel then he will judge them and it's the same thing that is going to play out in the end of days God is going to use the Antichrist and the ten kingdoms of the revived Roman Empire to chastise the children of Israel and after they have chastised the children of Israel for those years, then God is going to unleash his vengeance on the nations of the world. If you look at, uh, you know, because of time, we can't we can't read all the scriptures. But um, if you are taking notes, you can write this down. Um, Isaiah 46 and verse 10. Isaiah 34 and verse 8. Isaiah 61 and verse 2. Micah chapter 5 and verse 15. Uh, Oh, let's see one scripture. I like this particular scripture. Uh, Psalm 58 and verse 10 to 11. Let's just read this one. It seems David had a sneak peek into the Battle of Armageddon. Psalm 58 from verse 10 to 11. It says, The righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance, he shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. Wow! He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked so that a man shall say verily there is a reward for the righteous verily he is a god that judgeth in the earth okay um this generation this world is going to end in a lot of blood the bible makes us understand in the book of ezekiel chapter 38 that they are going to be burying bodies for seven months no, 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 no. For seven years, rather. Seven years. They are going to be burying bodies for seven years. And they are going to be burning up weapons for seven months. Okay? So it's going to be very bloody. Um, Mrs. Omalara is asking, Will you talk about unforgiveness? How it has to do with stopping the course of vengeance, allowing God to take vengeance by himself. Absolutely. Um. The, the truth is, I was I was explaining to someone the other day, person said why would god tell us thou shalt not kill and then he kills i said well god said thou shalt not kill but he also commissioned the killing of of many nations he he told the children of israel to to wipe out nations because he can if i create something with my hands there is no law that forbids me from destroying what i have created with my hands so god has both legal and moral right and authority To kill and destroy. And this is why he said vengeance is mine. Why? Because we cannot take that right to ourselves. When God, in in those days, it doesn't happen anymore. But those days, God commissioned people to wipe out other nations as his vengeance. He was the one that commissioned them to do it. He commissioned Saul to wipe out the Amalekites. Because of the evil way they treated the children of Israel when they were coming out of Egypt. That was God's vengeance. God was using Saul to execute his vengeance okay so god has used people he has used babylon like i said to execute vengeance on the children of israel he has used assyria to execute vengeance on the children of israel now anytime we take vengeance into our hands we start to play god and um you know if you read all through scriptures everybody that has tried to play God it did not end very well for them it didn't end very well for Pharaoh it didn't end very well for very well for Herod the Bible says Herod made an oration and the people you know clapped and said ah the voice of a god and not of man and an angel of the Lord smote him and worms began to come out of his body because he gave not the glory to God we know what happened to Nebuchadnezzar in in, in, in uh, is it Daniel chapter 4 um, he went into the into the jungle for for, for, for seven years okay uh every time people try to play god god takes it personal and so that is why it is very important for us to look let's be honest forgiving is not always very easy that's the truth and you know we're gonna have to trust god a lot of times we can't do it in the flesh let's be honest about it we cannot do it in the flesh so there are times if if you are struggling with forgiveness you have to ask god for help and for grace to be able to, to forgive. Okay. Um, but yes, when we when we choose not to forgive, uh and especially when we choose to retaliate or avenge ourselves, then we are we are encroaching into an arena where God has reserved for himself, and then automatically we begin to pit ourselves against God, and it's not it's not a good place to be. So I, I hope I answered your question now. So as we round up, I just want to give us very quickly uh, how to condition ourselves to obtain mercy from God. Number one is be merciful. The Bible is very clear. James chapter, uh, Matthew chapter five, verse seven: Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And James chapter chapter two and verse thirteen said, "If you judge without mercy, you will also be judged without mercy." So the easiest way to position yourself. benefit from the mercy of god is for you also to be merciful it's important to know this okay jesus was very clear um, if you do not forgive you will not be forgiven okay if if you look at uh uh, that that that, that's that's the only time that the bible says you will not be forgiven and even even in the even in the prayer jesus said forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us In Luke chapter 18 there's the parable of the guy uh, that that was forgiven by his master and he went and treated his colleague very badly and then the master you know withdrew the forgiveness and threw him in prison so it's very important Uh, Chogo is saying someone said a person that cannot forgive is someone that has forgotten that he's been forgiven yes absolutely what he's been forgiven of yes and this is why it offends God because God has forgiven us so much and so many times that he doesn't expect that we would be holding, you know, uh will be keeping grudges or holding things against other people because God has forgiven us of really, really, really terrible things that we've done. Okay, so when we find it hard to forgive people, we must remember that we are product we're products of God's forgiveness. You know, it's it's just a system that God looks at you as very unfair when you refuse to forgive people because you are supposed to be in hell. You're supposed to be in hell. And God says, I forgive you. And he gave you mercy. No matter what that person has done to you or to me or to us. You know, it's nothing compared to what we have done to God. And the punishment that, that we deserve from God. You know, um, thank, thank you for that. Uh, to So number one, be merciful. Number two, be humble. Because of time, I won't be able to go into it. But we remember the story of Nineveh. particular city that god sent jonah to go and curse jonah was trying to run god was so determined to destroy that city he, he used a fish to swallow jonah and transport him back to that place he was so determined and then when jonah made the proclamation the people of Nineveh fasted seven days the king said anybody that eats will be put to death women children animals everybody the bible says they humbled themselves before god and god said kai jonah i'm not going to destroy this world again humility the bible says in uh, in in the book of psalm uh what's that scripture now ah forgotten that scripture in the book of psalm that says uh, a, a broken spirit and a contrite heart God will not despise. This is very, very important. The reason a lot of persons have isolated themselves from the mercy of God is because they are too proud. there, There was a king in the Bible, in 1 Kings chapter 21. Please, we can read it on our own. 1 Kings chapter 21, from verse 17 to 29. About a king called Ahab, who the Bible makes it clear that there was no king that was as terrible as Ahab in the whole of Israel. Ahab wanted to buy a vineyard from a man called Naboth. Naboth refused to sell and jezebel said "Ah, you are sad because of vineyard jezebel had Naboth executed and ahab went and was enjoying the vineyard and god sent elijah to ahab and said you know because of this thing that you have done so and so and so and so and so will happen to you now let's see first kings chapter 21 verse 29 let's just read the end of the story first king first kings 21 29 Okay, from verse 28. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbled himself before me? Because he humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. Ahab obtained mercy from God because he humbled himself. So anybody can <laughs> obtain mercy from God if they humble them okay ahab was a terrible guy but he obtained mercy Nineveh was a terrible city the bible says god said their wickedness has come up before me go and proclaim their destruction but they obtained mercy because they humbled themselves before god so being merciful and humility um are are two are two two uh heart conditions that that makes it easier for us to uh for us to be able to benefit from the mercy of god you know when jesus said that mercy uh when the bible says that mercy triumphs over judgment it's actually god you know saying that the 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 law uh, the grace is going to triumph over the law uh god god wants and and when jesus constantly told people you know twice jesus said it in the book of matthew that you don't understand the scripture where it says that i will have mercy and not sacrifice okay god 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 wants us to be merciful this is important now uh, we're wrapping up god wants us to be merciful um and and he's trying to you know the jewish people were so legalistic and jesus kept reminding them he said god you see, you don't understand you don't understand that saying i will have mercy and not sacrifice i will have mercy and not sacrifice like yes the sacrifice literal sacrifice i will have mercy show mercy show mercy show compassion do you know that in the book of uh, ezekiel chapter 58 it was clear that some people's fast was not working because they were not showing mercy so let's um, let's if we if we want to enjoy more of God's mercy, one of the easiest ways, ways we we condition ourselves for so that is to to show more people mercy. Those are the words of Jesus Christ Himself. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And then finally, uh, there's the matter of God's sovereignty in Romans chapter nine, from verse fifteen to twenty-four. it says, "I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion." Uh, you know, there are just some people that we look at it and it, it doesn't look like they deserve anything from God, but somehow God just fishes them out. Okay, we are not in that category because we are saved now. Okay, so I'm talking for us that are saved, humility and showing mercy. For people out there, uh, well, it's an election of grace, to be honest. Because if you, if you read Romans, because of time, we won't we won't read it, but uh, please just read it on your own. Romans chapter nine from verse 15 to 24 Romans chapter 9 16 to 24 the people of the world you know God can just decide when you look at somebody like Jesse Duplantis Jesse Duplantis really hated God he hated church but he said all his life, is like God just followed him everywhere he went to. Of course, it was his mother praying for him, okay? So it wasn't, it wasn't random. The mother kept praying for him that God should follow him, God's mercy should follow him. There were times he had accidents, he was supposed to die. God brought him out of it, you know, and things like that. So there are some people like that. You just see them living their lives anyhow, but somehow, maybe because somebody is praying for them, or maybe because God has a particular assignment for them, and God just extends his mercy towards this people in a very unusual manner so there is that okay there is that but um anyway i hope somebody got something out of this today there were so many other scriptures i wrote down um but we couldn't get into them but i i really do hope someone got something out of this so god is merciful god is just and god will have his vengeance it's important we understand all of these things about god Uh, Preaching the goodness of God is good But it's only one side of God The vengeance of God and the wrath of God And the judgment of God Are Equally Valid aspects of God Okay They are equally valid aspects of God And that are going to be manifested Um, Okay Sorry, I'm going to show one last scripture one last scripture, please. Sorry, I, I, I almost forgot that. It's in First uh, Corinthians eleven. Sorry, let me just quickly. I have to show us this scripture before we wrap up. First Corinthians eleven verses that 30, uh, thirty-one and thirty-two. First Corinthians 11 31 and thirty-two. It says. For if we will judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. The judgment of God is real, as the goodness of God is real. And there is judgment for believers. Not hellfire judgment, but, you know. uh, If we've read the story of William Braham and uh, Jack Cole, these were two great men of God that, you know, for different reasons, uh, William Braham went into doctrinal error that is still causing a lot of damage in the body of Christ today. He has a religion right now. They are called the Branhamites. There's a lot of them in Eastern Africa because of the errors of his teaching. And Jaco was, uh, you know, he was bitter. He was angry about other ministers. And then he, was, uh, he wasn't very faithful with ministry finances. And God told Hagin, tell them to judge themselves. When we judge ourselves, we come to a point where we, we, we judge ourselves and say, okay, this and this and this and this i need to straighten this out i need to straighten that out i need to straighten that out okay and when we do that the bible says then god will not judge us but when we don't do it god will judge us and when he judges us what happens he judges us so that we are not condemned with the world god can chastise believers and he does chastise believers. As a matter of fact, in First Corinthians chapter five, there was a guy that slept with his father's wife, and Paul said such a person should be commi- uh, should be committed into the hands of Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his soul will be saved. So there are times that God chastens believers with some very harsh physical circumstances. It happens, and these are certain realities that uh, that we need to be aware of. And we need to awaken to And let us not say oh God is so good He doesn't do anything harsh He will never do anything bad No bad is very relative The Bible says it is a righteous thing to God To recompense tribulation to those that trouble you So God killing bad people is a righteous thing God chastening his disobedient children is a righteous thing So you see good and bad for me and you Is not the same thing for God He sets the rules not us Okay, so it's important that we know that.